Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to the 250th episode of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show was an early practitioner and coach of the Scrum methodology and has become a world-renowned expert and thought leader in DevOps, as well as a pioneer of DevOps at IBM. He has authored two best-selling books, DevOps for Dummies and the DevOps Adoption Playbook, and he is now a thought leader in the emerging area of data ops. So welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast, Sanjeev Sharma. Uh, thank you, Phil. Great to, uh, honored to be here, actually, especially knowing that this is episode 250. I, I need to catch up on all the, all the episodes you had before, but congratulations on, on hitting number 250. It's quite a milestone, actually. It's sort of that quarter of the way to, to 1,000. So yeah, it's probably a lot further than I expected when I started. So yes, thank you. So Sanjeev, in terms of your own career, obviously DevOps has been quite a focus uh, more recently and, and obviously now into data ops. Could you perhaps tell us a little bit about data ops? Because I don't think that's an area that a lot of people will know much about. When I personally heard the word data ops the first time, I said, uh-oh, here we go again. Yet another buzzword. You know, don't know if it'll survive in the market or not, but but it has. And you have to go look at its history and, and all that. But to put it very simply, if we think of, draw the parallel to DevOps, DevOps came about you know, around 10 years ago as an approach to get the various stakeholders in an application delivery cycle who needed to work together in order to make that application delivery and development process more lean and efficient. The same way data ops is looking at it from the perspective of data to say today, Data is the new currency, right? Data is what needs to be consumed and mined and used in order to get value out of it by various companies. Who are the various stakeholders who need to work together? How do we ensure that those stakeholders who are probably living in different silos, how do they communicate and collaborate in a lean and efficient manner so that the value they can extract from the data can be done more effectively, can be done more efficiently, and we can innovate faster with that data. When we talk about data ops, there are primarily two perspectives or two categories of use cases. One is the AI and machine learning side, where data is being used for analytics or for to draw inferences using machine learning models and algorithms. And the other one where I spent most of my time is data ops from the perspective of application development and delivery, where I'm building an application which could be a traditional application or a cloud-native application. How do I handle the data around that process? So there are these two various parallel schools of data ops which are now getting more mature. Yeah, and presumably the data ops side of it, it has a close relationship presumably with DevOps as well. Yes, if we look at DevOps in its purest form, let's forget all the tools, let's forget all these technologies what is DevOps? DevOps is an approach to make collaborative production and delivery of applications more lean and efficient. Same way, 
if we look at the context of, of data of DevOps, it's essentially just using lean methodologies, which have been around in the factory automation space and in the agile space for a long time. We are taking those principles and applying them to application development and delivery. My perspective of data ops is that I'm taking those same core lean principles and applying them to handling data, to how do I use, manage, consume, and govern the data across my organization. So Sanjeev, can you share with us a career tip, one that the audience may not be aware of and perhaps should be? Oh, that's a tough one. After 249 episodes, you want me to give a tip which nobody <laughs> would have gotten in the previous 249 ones. So, so I think, uh, in all seriousness, I think I try to mentor a lot of people. I try to always leave time on my calendar to talk to people who are looking to advance in their careers. And, you know, I got a lot of help while I was figuring out my career and advancing in it and still get a lot of help and need a lot of help. And one of the questions I've been getting a lot, especially in the last three to four years is, how do I pick which area to focus on? How do I pick which technology should be what I, I go and learn? Because technology is changing very fast. Things which were not hot two years ago are hot today. Things which we thought were the coolest things in sliced bread and we're going to change the technology industry. The IT industry are gone. Nobody talks about them. So people are fearful of making a bet to say, what if I spend all my time learning Kubernetes and Kubernetes is not important anymore? And, you know, Kubernetes is a hot thing today. So, you know, that's why I picked that as an example, nothing for or against Kubernetes. But my answer to them always is don't get distracted by the technology. Focus on the core principles. Just like I looked at DevOps and data ops from the core principles of Lean, try to look at what are the core problems, things that like Kubernetes are trying to solve, right? Is it an abstraction layer? Is it an orchestration tool? Why did we need a new one if we already had virtual machines? What do containers bring to the picture? Okay, if containers brought X to the picture, what value does Kubernetes add on top of that? If we focus on those core principles, core areas where that supposed technology is supposedly going to add value, I think then switching a technology becomes very easy and you can easily move from one to the next one because you will just say, aha, oh, this is just a different way of doing orchestration of containers than this other tool was, other technology was. And this is what you know, Cloud Foundry was trying to do, which it couldn't do. And this is what now Kubernetes is trying to do. So all these technology areas, if we look underneath to understand what's the problem being solved and why, I think it becomes much easier to make those career decisions and not get distracted by the shiny new objects. Indeed. Do, do you feel a lot of people do, though? They do get distracted by oh, the yeah. specific technology. Sure. Go to LinkedIn and see how many people are putting tool certifications as their claim to fame. That is getting distracted by the technology. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but there should be a reason why you're getting a tool certification, right? I have tool certifications. I have never posted them on LinkedIn. Because by, if I have a particular tool certification, which I post on LinkedIn, somebody will assume I'm an expert in that, and I don't know the other tool, which I do not have a certification in. So to me, one needs to understand why you got that tool certification, was it important, and are you getting distracted by the technology rather than the problem-solving 
which you need to become good at using the technology as a tool. Sure. It sounds like it's a bit of a trap as well. So you can obviously fall into it quite easily. Is there any way that you would suggest that if somebody was sort of reviewing, you know, where their focus was, how they get out of that trap? That's a good question. Again, it really depends on on the career goals, right? Uh, what is the career goal? There are certain core technologies which will never go away, right? Like databases won't go away. They'll just become different, right? We'll get different new new solutions to store and manage and distribute and govern and share data. Somebody has always focused on a particular database technology and that is not Vogue anymore. If they really look at their skill set, are they, are they experts in that tool which they learned or are they experts in managing, governing, sharing, distributing, securing data? If they are, it will be very easy for them to get away from the, the trap and go learn something new because they'll realize when they start learning is that it's not very different. The basic principles are the same. If you worked with collaboration technology, whatever technology there is, the newer version is just a better mousetrap. Very rarely do we today get technologies which are not a better mousetrap, but a totally new technology altogether, right? Uh, even things in AI and machine learning, most of them are are based on algorithms from the 60s and the 70s. <laughs> they are not new. They're just new ways to solve the, you know, to implement and make the same algorithms, the same neural networks more, more efficient and more uh, fine-tuned for the problem you're trying to solve. So understand the principles. Good. Okay. I'm sure we could talk further about that, but I think we need Absolutely. to move on. <laughs> yes. Um, so Sanjeev, can you tell us about your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? You know, I got thrown into a a project and I think the worst IT career moment for me would be when I walked into a project overconfident. I think I was, this was a time when I was, you know, kind of mid-career, right? I was, thought I knew it all. And I remember walking into a client and I hadn't done the proper research. I hadn't spent, done the due diligence to understand what their problems were. I thought I knew the answer. And it was a massive disaster, right? I almost tanked the whole project. I just went in and started telling the customer who, whose project it was, whose application it was, how they should run their system. Luckily, the manager I was working with from the client side was kind enough not to tear me to pieces and send me home in tears. But instead, he kind of took me aside and said that, you know, why don't you give us the opportunity to tell you what our problems are, right? And that could have been disastrous, but on, on the other hand, it it taught me to always seek to understand first, right? Always walk in whenever, no matter how much, how, conf- how many times one has done something before, always walk in with the assumption that I need to first seek to understand what's going on here and figure out, have I really understood the problem? Have I understood the cause be- behind the problem? And that ego-bursting moment was probably the worst day of my life because I wasted a lot of people's time. They were like, 15, 20 people in that workshop, I wasted pretty much their whole day and almost lost that customer as a, as a client for my company, for my employer. On the other hand, it was a learning experience which, you know, made me, you know, introduce some humility in my day-to-day interactions. Sure. And presumably you're now pretty well prepared when you go and see a client. Uh, I try my best. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, Moving away from your worst moment, can you tell us about your career highlight to date? 
think the career highlight to date was, you know, while I was working at IBM, IBM has a technical growth track to go up certain levels. And they have this level called the distinguished engineer, which is, you know, the top, I don't know what percentages it is, but it's really the, the cream of folks who are recognized and it results in being appointed to an executive, a technical executive position at IBM. And it's an opportunity to be a individual contributor and reach an executive position for one's recognition of technical work. In most companies, the only way one can get to an executive position is through management or ownership of a project or a program or some profit and loss or ownership of a team. Here at, at IBM, we have the opportunity to reach that level and it's a company of mostly engineers, right? Of hundreds of thousands of engineers. Yeah. And at any, any given moment, there's, I don't think there's even been more than 600 or so, five to 600 distinguished engineers. And I, when I reached that level, to me, that was you know, a crowning moment of knowing that I had achieved something significant because of the process and the diligence IBM does in you know, screening the people and making sure the folks are recognized by their peers. And it's, it's like a, it's a process where you aren't, you know, you, nobody can promote you. There is a series of boards of peers of people who are at that level or above who review the work done, the body of work done. It's all, and you have to defend it like a thesis of a, like a PhD thesis almost uh, to get to that level. So that was a very proud moment. And it was also a very humbling moment because I knew some of the other people who are at that level, who are at that level. And I used to, look at them and said, you know, this guy, he invented UML. And this guy, he invented Linux for ZOS. For this person, you know, here I am, you know. So uh, it was definitely a crowning moment to reach that level. Indeed. Was that a personal goal for you? Is that something you were sort of aspiring to achieve? Oh, absolutely. For five years. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. that was the, the bigger achievement was the fact that it took five years of Indeed. effort to get there, right? Uh, and towards the end, last couple of years, it was a lot of work. Yeah. Okay, Sanjeev, can you tell us what excites you about the future of the industry and careers in IT in particular? Oh boy, I am more excited than I've ever been, right? I mean, today, anybody who understands technology and what technology does for us, I mean, look at today, we are recording this during a pretty much a global shutdown because of the COVID-19 pandemic, right? Yeah. Everybody from elementary school students to people in their 70s and 80s, the only way they are communicating and collaborating today is through technology. We are seeing technology in action. We are seeing technology in action with the way the disease is being tracked, the way we are collaborating, right? I have children who are taking classes 100% online. My wife's a school teacher. She's delivering her classes online. Uh, you know, there is AI and machine learning being used to track the disease and try to look for treatments. I think this is an amazing time to be alive you know the current situation and the dangers and the and the you know pandemic put aside from a pure technology perspective we live in a technology centric world a technology first world every company is a technology company which happens to do some other business right like they say you know i met with a bank and their their slogan is we are a technology company which happens to have a banking license so that's technology, the application, applicability of technology in every aspect of life is so exciting. There are yes. you know, new technologies coming every day. There are new ways to apply technology coming every day. Uh, you cannot think of starting a business today without 
figuring out how to leverage technology to solve the problem you're solving, even if you're not a technology business. Yeah. So I think the future is bright for somebody in technology. What I advise people who are young, you know, like my son is a college student, is again, don't get distracted by the technology. Learn how to solve problems using whatever tools you can get your hands on because by the time he graduates three and a half years, three years from today, you know, the technology might be very different. So he needs to understand the domain he wants to work in. He needs to learn how to learn and learn how to use tools because the tools might change, you know. So don't become an expert in, you know, in Python. You know, become an expert, you know, use Python today, but try to understand how did it do that? What problem did you solve and how? Can you rewrite that in, in the future in some other language which might be Vogue 10 years from today? So I think for uh, it, this is an exciting time. I can't wait to see the next set of technologies which will come out over the next five to 10 years. Yeah, I'm sure whatever it is, we couldn't possibly try to imagine it now. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, as, a, as a, an avid uh, science fiction fan of both books and movies, you know, you know, you're truly beginning to see some of those technologies or aspects of them coming true in the real world, right? We are seeing AR becoming more norm. Uh, you know, you see people using augmented reality to do classwork, for example. It's, it's amazing what we are beginning to see today. Okay, we're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a, a little bit more about you and the way you think. Are you ready for this? Let's go. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? So when I was going up, growing up in India, right, which was many, many Linux versions ago, you know, the, the people, me and my peers, you know, there seemed to be only a couple of tracks available to us, right? There was IT, there was medicine, there was, you know, becoming an accounting, right? And I, you know, by process of elimination, not doing medicine and hitting large spreadsheets, which I tend to spend a lot of time <laughs> in today, uh, IT became the default. Right. Okay. What is the best career advice you've ever received? Uh, learn computers. <laughs> learn to program. <laughs> <laughs> and conversely, what is the worst career advice you've ever received? Don't take a risk. Don't change careers. Don't reinvent yourselves. You know, just become, continue becoming better at what you are. Yes. Presumably you, you do take, I would say, managed risks within your own career? And some unmanaged ones, but yes, mostly managed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you were to begin your IT career again in today's world, what would you do? Actually, that's an extremely good question because I would go and study the books which were taught to me when I was studying computers and software engineering and programming back in the 90s, 80s and 90s, because those books taught first principles. Today, I so see again, see too many people get distracted by technologies and programming languages and by ways to apply technologies rather than the core engineering principles behind them. I would go back and get hold of those books and read them again. And hopefully the same kind of books, maybe a newer modern version, but focus on those, not on what are mostly manuals. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? Today, I would say I have become, a friend of mine called me a, an executive whisperer, right? I spend my time working with large enterprises, working with senior executives in the large enterprises, trying to help them get their digital transformations unstuck. 
right? So I typically go in and work with clients where they are going down a digital transformation path, whether it is being driven by cloud adoption or AI and machine learning adoption or application modernization and figuring out where are the challenges they are facing, whether it is technology related or culture related or organizational related or, you know, process related and helping them figure out how to, how to address those, right? So that is what I'm focusing on. It's led to some very interesting uh, engagements and opportunities for me. Right. It's an interesting word, the whisperer, though. So <laughs> how do you think that works? It's, it's more than being a trusted advisor, isn't it? It is more than being a trusted advisor. I think, to me, what works for me is the ability to do two things. One is look under the technology problem to understand the business problem. Because every technology problem you're trying to solve was, in turn, hopefully, trying to solve a business problem. If somebody cannot tell me what business problem that technology challenge they're trying to overcome was trying to solve, they've gotten it all wrong, right? Because they're missing the whole point. They're doing technology for the sake of technology. And that's a sure shot fail, right? So number one is that. Now, number two is, I think, again, to sound like a broken record is, uh, which most of the millennials don't know what, what that means. Uh, <laughs> uh, to, uh, I had to explain it. I have a turntable. I had to explain what a broken record means uh, to my kids. Is the ability to look through the fluff and understand the core principles of the technology that company is building, right? I mean, at the end of the day, they're trying to solve some problems and they have picked a, an approach to do it, an engineering solution to do it. What is that? And be able to simplify it down to those core principles. I think those are two areas which have been very helpful to me. Yes. What's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? Well, I think I'm in the wrong career. I think I should have been a writer because that is my number one non-technical skill. I've written a couple of books. I've written uh, blog posts, and I think I, you know, to sound uh, you know arrogant, I think I very I do a very good job in explaining concepts simply by giving a lot of examples and analogies. And I think that's a skill. If I'd applied it to fiction writing, I might have been uh, much much wealthier. <laughs> <laughs> well you know they say it's never too late never too late yes it's on my bucket list to write a fiction book good good okay and what do you do to keep your own career energized i learn from everybody my goal is every week to talk to five people i have not spoken to ever or not spoken to in a long time and try to understand what they are doing what's new what can i learn from them and i read like crazy i i, I mean i spend at least an hour reading something. And it doesn't have to be technology related. I'm reading a book on philosophy right now. I've never read a book in my entire life on philosophy. So I'm reading one right now. That's what keeps me energized. And what do you do in your spare time away from technology? Well, to pivot on my last question, I try to get books in paper form rather than uh, yes. read, on, read them on a digital screen because it's very easy to get distracted by alerts and you know, an email showing up or an alert coming and secondly, I'm old school. I like the feel of being able to read a paper book. So that gets me away from technology. Sanjeev, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT career energizer audience? Well, I, I think I've been given some this over and over again, right? And I would say, don't get distracted by the shiny new technology. Understand what you're trying to solve. But if I was to give a parting advice, which we haven't talked about today in this conversation at all, is I think is constantly be reinventing yourself. 
try to figure out not what you want your job to be now or not even what you want what you want your job to be your next job to be but what do you want to be two or three jobs from today and by by new job i don't mean leaving the company right i mean during my 15 years at ibm i had seven or eight different jobs in a company that big you can move around and find cool fun new things to do or you can create a job which is also what i did uh, yeah. which didn't exist before but try to envision you know what would your you like to be in your next to next job and work on that and reinvent yourself right you don't have to be the same person you were and the same career path you were you know yeah. the world is our oyster today if you are if you understand technology if you're good at it if you love it if you love solving problems the world is your oyster and finally what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you Sure. So uh, I write a blog. It is sdarchitect.blog. So S for software, D for delivery, architect, the word spelled out. This is all one word, sdarchitect.blog is my blog. And from there, you can, you know, in my contact me page, you can find my Twitter link, LinkedIn link, email, everything. You can reach me from there. So it's like one central place people can reach me from. And while you are there, do read some blog posts and do follow it. Sanjeev, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's been great chatting with you. Well, absolutely. It was a pleasure. It's been a great discussion. Thank you for your wonderful questions. Hi, Phil here again. Now, if you thought about being a guest on the show yourself, or you have somebody in mind that might be a good guest, please do let me know. You can reach me on Twitter, where I'm at PhilTechCareer, or you can find me on LinkedIn, or you can even contact me through the website which is itcareerenergizer.com. Thanks again for listening and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.